It's Zoe Time. Welcome to the Zoe Time Show presented by HoopsAndBrews.com. I will be your host for the day, Daniel Belts. And, well, Laker fans, we are in the dog days of summer. There's not much to talk about, like, currently what's going on with the, like, Lakers team. We've already signed basically every single player that we're going to sign. Uh, there's no, like, NBA action until the end of September. And we're in, what, August 13th right now, so... We have like a month until the training camp starts, so there's not much we can talk about like on the court or like signings we can make. So in this episode, it's going to be um, going to do a quick recap of actually what has gone on in the past two weeks with this uh, Laker team and like the current Laker players. Then I'm going to get into the random Laker set of the day, followed by the Lakers uh, current players power rankings. It's going to be ranking every single player that we have on the active roster from worst to best. And then we're also going to take out or take a look at the um, schedule that was released, I believe, last week and go over some of the key games that are on that schedule and talk about how well I think they're going to do within that schedule, how many wins, and just stuff like that. We're going to mainly talk about expectations for this upcoming season and just kind of ranking where I see the players are, like within the um, within the roster, like the best to the worst. So let's do a quick recap of what actually happened the past two weeks. Um, LeBron took some pictures in a Lakers uh, uniform, and I mean, it looked like everything that we've kind of wanted it to look like. It was. It almost felt like a dream, like seeing LeBron just wearing those cl- colors, looking as happy as he did. Like it, it honestly looks like LeBron is so damn happy to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, and the jerseys look great. I uh, can't wait to see him out on the court wearing those uniforms. And within the past two weeks, we released our uh, new jerseys, and I mean, besides the purple ones, they look great. Like I love the yellow. Or the yellow slash gold look. I love the white uni. The white uni is probably my favorite. It just, it looks awesome. The purple one would have been great, except I don't like the sides, the, um, like the stripes on the bottom half of the jersey. I just, I don't like those stripes. Like, I find those to be very, I don't know. It looks like it was a created jersey on 2K, and I just, I don't like it. I'll probably myself be buying. I think a yellow LeBron one, a white Kuzma, a white Ingram, and maybe even a white Lonzo. Actually, a white Lonzo, because I already have a yellow Ingram jersey from last season, so I just want to get all of the young players. Plus, I might, if I do get a purple jersey, I think I'm going to get it in a uh, Josh Hart edition one, because he's also a part of the young core, and he did change his number to three within the past two weeks, so that's also something that's something that has happened so probably my purchases will be along the line of those and I would love to get the Donzi shorts to go with it but I don't know if my bank account is set up right now to afford that so I'll just probably get the jerseys maybe get like some Laker sweats and stuff like that but I mean I'm excited it's been about let's see for what I can remember I don't know if the Lakers have actually changed their look from like since I've been a fan and like the 
late 1990s and the early 2000s, we've had the same kind of look for the past 20 years, and it's just cool to get like a new like breath of fresh air with our jerseys, and it just creates like a different type of excitement as well. And I mean, they do look like the Showtime jerseys from like the 80s, but like it gave them like a twist as well. Like it's kind of like a ode to the past and like a excitement for the future. Um, what else happened in the past two weeks? Uh, Kuzma and Ingram were both in the gym with LeBron James, and this is what I was kind of talking about, I believe, on Twitter and on the last podcast when people overreacted to seeing Jason Tatum work out with Kobe Bryant. Yes, we wish Kobe was working out with our young players, but LeBron James is going to be in the same training facility with our young players for the next three to four years. So we just needed to not freak out and let one of our all-time greats work out with whoever he wants to work out and not put pressure on Kobe to work out with our young players or put pressure on our young players to reach out to Kobe. Our young players have the benefit of playing with the greatest player of all time in LeBron James. And they get to see him at practice. They get to see him in training camp for the next three to four years of their NBA career. They are going to learn so much playing alongside him, just working with him at practice. If you looked at... um the pictures that were released from the workout and the video. I've never seen Brandon Ingram look that happy. It looked like he, I don't know, like seeing him smile during a workout, I didn't really see much smiling from Ingram the first two years with each game, but it just seemed like he was genuinely happy that he was getting to work with LeBron James. And then Kuzma, we already know that Kuzma's a big fan of LeBron. He had already reached out to LeBron and it's just cool to see our guys get that experience. They're going to develop quicker. They're going to reach their potential faster. And I'm just excited for those uh, potential pairings to just keep happening in the weight room, at the facility. And when Josh Hart gets back from his overseas vacation, which he's already back. I'm not sure if he's back f- from... Um, he was overseas and I know he flew into the East Coast. I'm not sure if he's back on the West Coast yet, but I already know when Josh Hart is ready, he's going to be out there working with LeBron James, Kuzma, and Ingram as well. And when Lonzo gets back from rehabbing his knee, he'll also be a part of that as well. Um, our great president of basketball operations, Magic Johnson, is still parting it up in Italy as he deserves. He had one hell of an offseason and basically... Magic Johnson has had a great first year and a half in like a position of power within LA. So he's worked very hard to set this team up to his vision to get it to where he wants to. And a lot of people have talked about the fact that Magic Johnson wants centralist basketball being played. And sort of how he filled out the roster right now is kind of like within that vision because like many uh, other Laker um, fans have said, Magic's vision has always been that game when he played in Game 7 of the NBA Finals when he lined up at center. And he was like 6'9", 6'10", so that's kind of like his vision, and he kind of basically shaped this roster around that, although we still have JaVale McGee, Zubak, and Big Mo. We just kind of have a roster that kind of fits his vision to where... LeBron James is going to play at the five a bit. So 
I don't know, Magic just, he just seemed to push all the correct buttons within the past a season and a half, made all the right trades, made all the right signings, and didn't give up the farm to get another superstar. He understood and actually talked with LeBron about being patient. And LeBron seems to be on board with that patient idea. We'll see how that goes during the season, but, I mean, Magic's had one hell of a year as the president of basketball operation, and it's just, it's cool to see that he took a vacation after all the success he's had, and, I mean, he's done all the work. Now it's up to the players, the people he signed, the coaching staff, the players to develop, to just kind of reward him with how much work he's put into constructing this current roster. And like I mentioned, Josh Hart went on vacation, and Lonzo is still rehabbing his knee, but like some good signs are, if you follow Lonzo Ball on his Instagram, he sometimes has like an IG story where he's at the weight room and he's just making fun of Brandon Ingram leaving his hairbands on the floor, but it's a good sign to see Lonzo is in the weight room. He's not like just taking a complete vacation to rehab that knee, but he's in the weight room, putting in the work, getting bigger like the um, management wants him to do, like the front office wants him to do. So it's just nice to see that there are two ways he could have taken this injury that happened to him with him getting the surgery, and he's responded the correct way. I already know when he's back and able to be on the court, he's going to work with LeBron James, he's going to work with Rajon Rondo, and he's going to work with Magic Johnson because, I mean, those three players share his vision that he has on the court. So he's just going to soak up every single ounce of information he can get from those guys to help him get ready for year number two. And hopefully he's able to do some on the court stuff that he wanted to do this off season, because we already know that shot needs to get a little bit better. He needs to have more things to work with on the offensive side of the ball. So hopefully there is still time for him to get some work in before training camp starts, or he can even address that during training camp but we'll see. And that's about it that's happened in the past two weeks. Um, Kobe showed up at the Drew League. Um, Lamar actually, I believe he's playing in China this season. So it's just nice to see Lamar Odom still follow his passion. Um, Any other Laker updates within the past two weeks? Josh Hart switches number to three. I think I already talked about that. Um, Let's see. Oh, Luol Deng and JaVale McGee and Rob Plinka were all in Africa for the uh, African games with the NBA. And, I mean, it was kind of cool to see Luol Deng get some minutes. Um, it still wasn't enough for me to be impressed and be like, hey, he should be getting NBA minutes. But, I mean, it's cool to see him playing the game that he loves. Uh, JaVale McGee made a three in those games, and it was just weird because I think he took four of them. And he also got crossed up by Joel Embiid pretty bad. I don't think JaVale was actually taking that game very seriously, so... I mean, I think it shows with the four attempted threes, but... That's what else went on in Laker Laker Nation since the last time we spoke on this podcast. And let's get into the next topic, then. The random Laker stat of the day. So, for the stat that I'm going to be talking about right now, it's a stat that's going to be ending within the next season, but... It's the Lakers have missed the playoffs for the fifth season in a row. And for some other franchises that might be okay, like the Sacramento Kings, like the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, like for those shitty franchises that celebrate making it to the playoffs, 
missing it five times in a row wouldn't be that bad for them because, I mean, making the playoffs is a championship, so if they don't make the playoffs, they don't get that bummed. But for a team like the Lakers, who pride themselves on winning as much championships as they can, being one of the winningest franchises in all of sports, not just the NBA, missing the playoffs five straight seasons is a huge, like, stain on our reputation. We are the, like, we are the gold standard. We are the best of the best. So when you miss five straight playoffs, like, you gotta do something to change it. And this is the longest drought in our franchise history. And the Lakers franchise has been around for about 70 years. And when this drought started to happen was the year after Kobe tore his Achilles. So basically, once... Because even though Kobe was still around for, I believe, two to three seasons after the Achilles injury, Kobe wasn't really Kobe. Kobe was... I mean, like... A complete shell of himself coming off the Achilles injury. Then he also racked up or racked up like a knee injury. I believe he also hurt his shoulder. So it's like Kobe was never Kobe after the Achilles, and we never made the playoff since. So it was almost like Kobe retired after the 2012-13 season, even though he still played with us. So since that injury, things have just not gone well within the Lakers organization. Which is why we got rid of Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss. And I mean, it's just been a difficult five years to be a Laker fan. You saw a lot of fake Laker fans leave the Lakers fan base and join the Warriors fan base. And I'm not sure if they're coming back yet because the Warriors are still going to win at least probably one more championship. So the bandwagon fans are probably going to stay in Golden State. But expect a lot of the ones that didn't join the Golden State franchise to come back because we got LeBron James. It's exciting times. And yeah, so to kind of continue about how many times the Lakers have missed the playoffs in a row. In the Lakers franchise entirety, we've only missed the playoffs 10 times. So it's about basically... So that's 10 out of 70, so that puts it around, like, I think 14%. I think that's what 1 divided by 7 is. Let me just check real quick. Um, let's see. one divided by. Yep, it's a 14%. So we've missed the playoffs 14% of the times. So basically, 1 in every 7 years, we miss the playoffs. And so the past 5 years, we've missed it 5 in a, five in a row. So that's half of the amount of times we've missed the playoffs. So before the past 5 years... The franchise only missed it 5 out of 65 years. So, yeah, the current state of the Lakers is not that great. But, guess what? We got the greatest player of all time to come in and change that. So that's what I'm excited about. Even though this was a kind of like a bummer stat, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. So, I can't wait for this stat to go away. It's not going to be six. I can guarantee that. I'm willing to put any kind of bet any of you naysayers out there want to put on that. The Lakers are making the playoffs this season. We will not make it six seasons in a row. We will not be a laughing stock anymore. And, I mean, times are changing in Laker Nation. So let's get into the next segment, which is the Lakers players' power rankings. And I saw a lot of lists on the timeline, and 
I mean, that's what kind of inspired this segment. But I'm going to keep this segment for the rest of the season. So when we start playing, players are going to slide up and down on this list. And it's just going to be like a kind of fun tracker to like just see with like the players because we already know who's going to be probably number one the entire season. But after that, it's a big question mark. We don't know who our second best player is. We don't know who our third best player is. We don't know who our fourth. We do know the players that are going to be in that. It's either going to be Lonzo, Ingram, or Kuzma, but we don't know the order. We don't know what steps those players are going to take. We just probably know our top four is going to be LeBron and then the Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma. We don't know like what standing they're going to fall into. So let me go ahead and kind of get to our first player. And the criteria is the talent that they're showing right now, how well they fit within our Laker like scheme and their potential. Like if they're showing great signs of what they're doing right now, like imagine that a year down the road or two years down the road. So first things first, we're gonna get to the last player on our list. And coming in at number 16 is gonna be Isaac Bonga. Why he's so low is if you followed along during the summer league and kind of paid attention to what happened. He looked he looked lost. He traveled way too much. It seemed like he wasn't comfortable with playing within the NBA kind of format, rules. And why that was is it was his first time playing in the United States. It was his first time coming over to play. There was a lot of jitters he probably had and he just looked kind of lost. I'm not sure with the league that he was playing in and if they didn't call traveling that much, but he traveled a record amount of times when he f played in his first three or four games within the Summer League team, and there's going to be a huge um, leap that he's going to have to make to show that he can actually play some minutes, because as of right now, he showed that he deserves zero minutes, and that's why he's coming in last on this list. He's going to have to make some adjustments to his game. He's going to have to make some leaps in some areas because the raw, like, physical, like, skills he has are there. He's a huge point guard. I think he's, like, 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, he could dribble the ball. He can play make, but he's going to be able, he's going to have to learn how to shoot, how to adjust his footwork to where he's not traveling every single time he touches the ball. And there's just going to be a lot of other things he's going to have to fix for him to actually get some minutes on this current Laker team. Coming in at number 15 is Luol Deng. And why he's not last is he actually showed during that uh, NBA game in Africa that he has something left to give. I don't know what it is because with our current roster we have a lot of wings that are going to be ahead of him on the depth chart, but... If we do need a small ball center for three to four minutes, maybe he comes in and plays because that's the only kind of rotation where I'd see him getting into because he doesn't deserve minutes over Hart, Stevenson, Beasley, Zvi, and Lance. So, like, there's just no players to where he should be playing. Oh, and also LeBron, Ingram, and Kuzma. He does not deserve any minutes at the forward position over any of those guys. And why he's also at number 15 is, which is second to last on our team, is, I mean, the Lakers are going to try to do everything in their power to get rid of him. 
and luckily Luol Deng has had a much more positive uh, response to this, knowing that, hey, we signed him for too much money, he's not in our future, we don't really want to play him now. He's handled that sort of atmosphere a million times better than Joakim Noah. Like with Joakim Noah, you can tell there's some animosity, there's some friction between the, the two within the Knicks and the Knicks and Noah. And I mean, Dang's been very professional. A lot of the Lakers, like young guys, like speak very highly of him. So does Polinka and Magic. It's just they don't fit. They don't. There's going to be no scenario in which those two things work out well together. So, I mean, it seems like the Lakers are exploring options to get rid of him. It seems like he does want out, but there's the Lakers can't really give up much to get rid of him because we don't want to risk giving away our future just to get rid of an unhappy player. And just shout out to Luol Deng for not being this toxic player to where we have to do it. Like, he could be a Joe Kim Noah type, and we have to give up a couple picks to get rid of him now. Instead, he's just been working on his own game, kind of keeping his head down, and just being quiet, and not being a team cancer, and that's just why it's so much easier to speak about Luol Deng and just kind of the professionalism he has and the kind of person he has is he understands that the situation is not good for either us or him, and he's not going to let it sour, he's just going to let it be what it, he's just going to let it happen as whatever natural course this whole decision decides to take and i mean who knows maybe there's an injury that goes on maybe luke takes a look at him playing small ball center and maybe he surprises all of us coming in at number 14 is alex caruso the summer league legend himself is our i believe is our third point guard on the roster behind lonzo rondo and himself so that's why he's so low on this list he actually showed last season that he can play point guard for a a period of time but with lonzo and with rondo there's just no minutes that he should be getting at the point guard position especially with ingram and lebron who also can get minutes at the point kind of like position so it just seems that Alex Crusoe is always going to be out of the rotation this season. Unless we're in foul trouble or um, Lonzo or Rondo go down with an injury. So that's why he's at number 14. I don't see him really moving up on the roster because he's he hasn't shown like flashes of great potential. He's probably always going to be what he is right now. And I mean that's not a knock on him. Making it to the league is a very good accomplishment for a for a player, and getting invited to the team that you played for last season, knowing this team is going to be in the playoff hunt, it's a pretty damn good like it should be a um, confidence booster for himself because, I mean, if the Lakers bring him back after they sign LeBron, like it should speak volumes on how like well they think he is as an actual like player and. Who knows, maybe if he went to like the Sacramento Kings or the Orlando Magic, his minutes would go up. But as of right now, he's number 14, and I think 16, 15, and 14 with Bonga, Ding, and Caruso, they're going to stay there like the entire season. Like I don't see them moving up, and I don't see them getting any playing time at all unless there's 
massive injuries to this current Laker team, which we want to avoid because we did have the injury bug last season, and let's just hope that bug stays away from our current Laker team. Coming in at number 13 is Lance Stevenson, and I mean, for a one-year deal, Lance Stevenson wasn't bad. Was there better options out there in free agency? Yes, but I mean, Magic has said we want this kind of play style where everyone that's going to get on the court can play make and set um, set others up and that kind of fits his play style he is a pass first dance second kind of player watching Lance Stevenson play in the NBA is one of like it's like a national treasure like he you never know what he's going to do there are some games where I believe this was what the GM of the Pacers said which he probably shouldn't have said but he said some games, Lance Stevenson is our best player. And some games, Lance Stevenson is the other team's best player. So it's kind of like a hit and miss with each game that Lance Stevenson plays. But the games he does play very well in, like he makes a positive impact on that team. He's also not afraid of any moment, as you can tell. He loves the matchup against LeBron James, who now happens to be his teammate. And... I just think he's going to push some of our wing players to get better so that the so that the that they do get minutes because if they don't push themselves if they don't show improvement Lance Stevenson is going to be like hey I deserve these minutes I'm showing you why I deserve these minutes and he'll get those. So I think what this uh, front office did was they brought in just people to compete and players that actually can produce in the NBA unlike last season where we played Travis Ware, Gary Payton II, Corey Brewer, we played Tyler Ennis, we played Andre Ingram, and we just played a ton of guys at like the like during the injury um bug days. Like we just played players that shouldn't be playing in the NBA a lot of minutes. And it's still so fascinating that we we did win thirty five games. Um where I see Lance Stevenson, um He's actually, like, talented. He can knock down a three. I think he shot his best, like, three-point percentage this season. But the thing is, he's only played well in Indiana. I believe he went to Charlotte and didn't play well. So him playing for a different team besides Indiana is kind of a wild card. Um, future, I don't see him playing on this team more than this year. And where I, I could actually see him sliding into the top 10 for power rankings for uh, players if he plays very well and if one of our young players that plays on the wing doesn't. Um, I have him at number 13 because I believe the three younger players ahead of him, which you'll hear in a second, just kind of fit more to the present and the future. But if the three players I've listed below don't show that they're ready to play now, Lance Stevenson will jump. And, I mean, I like Lance. I like. I also think he's going to provide like a certain toughness to this team that they lacked last season. And the player that was tough on this team last season were Julius Randle and Corey Brewer. They're both off the team. So we kind of need a knucklehead to do knucklehead shit when things get a little testy. And Lance Stevenson has shown he's more than willing to talk that talk and walk that walk so I believe Lance will be a crowd favorite when he does play because how can you not love how just idiotically beautiful he plays and that's kind of how you would describe Lance Stevenson's game it's 
very chaotic, but when it's working, it's some of the best, like, pure entertainment to watch. Coming in at number 12 is Mo Wagner, and why he's so low on this list is because he got hurt during the Summer League. If we would have saw more of him, he probably would be in the top 10, because I really like his game. I really liked what I watched at Michigan. He is a stretch big, and I mean, he has a chance to be a starter with this team by the end of the season. So if that happens, he'll be in the top eight. And he'll pass up a lot of this guys, a lot of the guys that are to come up next on the list. And if I want to say the likelihood of that happening is probably 40% of him jumping into the starting lineup by the end of the season. And that's actually high because I just really like how he plays, what he brings, and just that level of competitiveness. I believe the Lakers got competitors this offseason and they drafted one hell of a competitor for Michigan if you watch the tape from his college um, games he's diving on the on the floor for loose balls he's pumping up the crowd after like a block and he's just getting the whole team energized and he's one of those like fan favorites that we're all going to love I believe he's one of the fan favorites at summer league when he was playing in the first three games and it's just going to be what he's going to struggle with is not getting playing time at first. Like he's, I believe, third on the depth chart right now at the center position behind JaVale and Zubak. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to not getting minutes at first. Like last season, Josh Hart kind of struggled with the fact that he didn't get minutes in the beginning. But by the end of the season, he showed he's NBA ready and he deserves a ton more minutes. Mo will probably be getting minutes in the NBA scarcely in the first half of the season and will probably be getting sent down to the G League quite often to get experience. If he shows he's more than capable of dominating G League competition, he'll come back up. Injuries do happen over the course of the year, so I believe he'll get a chance to prove what he can do if and when JaVale and Zubak get hurt, or if the Lakers realize they need a stretch five to play with LeBron he'll get his minutes because out of JaVale, Zubak, and Mo, Moe's the best shooter. And let's see. Fit, I, I believe Wagner is a perfect fit at the center position. He just needs experience. He just needs time to develop, and he needs NBA game time. So by the end of the season, like I said, I believe he's going to be in the top eight. And potential, he has... I want to say top six potential on this current team behind Ingram, Lonzo, Kuzma, and Hart. So I think the sky is the roof from O. Wagner in L.A. It's just he's going to have to show it. We're going to have him for the next three to four years on a very team-friendly deal. And when it's all said and done, I do believe he'll be the starting center, if not by the end of the season, by the start of next season. Now we get to number 11 on this list, and that is Zubak. Big Zoo is still a pretty big question mark coming into this season. And the only reason why he's ranked higher than Mo is the fact that Mo was sidelined to injury. And, I mean, I've seen Zubak play in an NBA game. And that's the only reason why he's ranked higher than Big Mo. Why Zubak's at 11 is, for whatever reason... 
he plays extremely well for Croatia during the summer and when he's like not currently like in the NBA season. But when he gets to playing time in the NBA, he just doesn't seem to translate what he shows overseas. And that's kind of like depressing because Laker fans are crazy, so we'll watch his games. Like we'll watch him play internationally and like we see things that he doesn't do in LA. Like he plays with a certain passion, a certain fire, and he shows off more of his skills internationally and then when we come back to preseason G League or garbage time minutes Zubak doesn't impact the game the way he does when he plays for his national team so we would like to see him kind of translate that into the NBA but it just doesn't seem like he's ever going to this is year three I believe of the Zubak experience and I don't know what's fit and like potential on this team I don't know like he's a big wild card I don't know if he'll be on the team next season and I don't know how much more potential he has because it seems like he didn't work on much from year one to year two so we'll see what he's worked on in year or going into year three um let's just hope that he's NBA ready it's always seemed like last season he just wasn't ready for the pace which was strange because at the end of his first season, he played really well. And then you get into summer league preseason and the start of his second season. And it was a disaster. Like he just looked like he was complacent all summer and didn't develop his game. Coming in at number 10 is V. And when we drafted him in the second round with the 47th pick, I did not think he'd be in the top 10 of power rankings going into this season but he showed he showed you what he could do in summer league and that is shoot the ball and play defense and he was way more athletic than what I thought he was and he can also rebound the ball like crazy and he's very fucking young too even though he was a I believe he was a four-year player at the University of Kansas so normally four-year players are like 22 or 23 when they come into the NBA I believe he's 21 right now. So it's not like he's this old guy that we drafted in the second round that was a four-year college kid. He's pretty young. We'll have him on a team-friendly deal because normally second-round picks are two-year contracts. He is a three-year contract. So I believe Magic and Polinka did their homework on this kid. They know exactly what, like, what kind of fit they want him to be. He is going to be the shooter that... LeBron needs on his team and I mean some of the comparisons like we saw Laker fans say was Clay Thompson and that's way too high right now for like what he might be I'm more along the lines of thinking he's the next Kyle Korver if you kind of look at what Kyle Korver was he is a shooter he was a second round pick as well and that's why Zvi comes in at number 10 and Hey, if Zvi can become the next Kyle Korver, that is great for us because we got a steal. And honestly, like I can I can see Zvi moving into the top um, top seven on this like power rankings by the end of this season. I am a little bit more biased to our young talent than the old talent and non players that have been on this team before. Like, the one-year signings, I'm pr- 
probably never going to put them higher than eight besides Rondo because Rondo is just, he's a Hall of Famer, he's a great player, and we'll talk more about Rondo when we get to him and within the uh, more of this list, but potential, Zvi has a tremendous amount of potential, he fits very well on this team. His minutes are going to be very scarce in the beginning of the season, and I believe by December or January, he's replaced. Um, he's replaced other players in the rotation and gotten more of their minutes, like Lance Stevenson's minutes. I believe they'll all belong to Zvi by the end of the season. He might even take some minutes away from KCP, who is coming up a little bit later on our list. Coming in at number nine is Michael Beasley, and... At first, when we signed Michael Beasley, I was like, why? Then I looked at his stats, I looked at some of the film, and I believe he shot like 50% from the field, 40% from three, and he was getting like 14 points in like 20 minutes of play. What we brought Michael Beasley in to do was score. is, And that's all we brought him in to do. Just score, because what the Cavs lacked with LeBron when LeBron went to the bench was just someone to score. They thought they had that in Jordan Clarkson, but he showed that he was not ready for that kind of environment. Beasley's been in the playoffs. Beasley's been kind of battle-tested. I believe uh, Pavi from Hoops and Brews even said that for whenever Michael Beasley plays against Kevin Durant, Beasley knows how to score against him. And what's every team's motto in the NBA right now? Do whatever you can to beat the Warriors. And I just believe... When LeBron hits the bench, Beasley's going to come in the game for 8 to 10 minutes when we do get to playoff time and just try to work his matchup against Kevin Durant. And, I mean, just shout out to Hoops and Brews, shout out to Pavi and TPJ for kind of like putting me on that kind of um, idea because I was very curious about to why we signed Beasley. But then the more I heard about how well he does against KD, how well he played last season, it kind of got me excited and... I mean, I believe, so he's at number 9 right now. The highest I think he can go is number 8 on this list. And the farthest I think he drops on this list is like 10 or 11. I think Beasley's going to stay at that 9 to 10 range all season. He's not going to be like a top contributor on this team, but he's going to be a huge X factor. And so basically, if we go back to like the 2010 like Lakers Celtics series, right? He's not going to be a complete factor in two games, but like he's going to be like a Shannon Brown slash Jordan Farmar slash for us. Or if you remember watching that series, Nate Robinson and Glenn Big Baby Davis won the Celtics a game in that series. I think Beasley can do that kind of thing. And that's kind of like where like I see him and why I think we brought him in is because for a seven-game series, he's going to be probably not impactful in four. He'll probably have two decent games and there's that one game where he's an X factor. He it's like the decision like the way the game goes rests on his shoulders. If he plays really well, the Lakers will win. If he doesn't, we'll lose. So that's why he comes in at number nine and I mean getting a player of his caliber for a cheap one year deal just kind of speaks volumes as to the LeBron power that this team has and the Magic Johnson and Palinka power that this team has. And Beasley also had great words to say about Lonzo and it seems like all the players we have signed have spoken very highly about Lonzo and the rest of our young core and they see what 
NBA Twitter does not see. Like, Laker fans see the potential and the present of this current Laker team. And it seems like the players we signed see it as well. Coming in at number eight is two-time champion JaVale McGee. Uh, why he's this high is he's going to be getting a lot of minutes, I believe, to start the season. And he is our best big available. And that's why he's at number eight. Like many of the one-year players we've signed, I don't think JaVale is coming back next season. And it's kind of weird to already be talking about um, next season's next season is just weird to talk about it in August already. But we already know Magic and Polinka are going to go after another free agent, like another big free agent. So that's why I don't see the majority of these players coming back besides Rondo next season. And I'm talking about the one-year guys. Um, what JaVale is going to be right now is a lob-finishing big who hopefully can block shots on the, on the defensive side. And that's it. We need him to come off of pick-and-rolls with LeBron, with Lonzo, and just catch the lob and kind of attract the defense. Because then if the defender has to collapse to take away JaVale's lob, there's going to be an open three-point shooter in the corner. And I'll attribute that to JaVale being JaVale because you can't let a seven-footer who can jump out of the gym get a wide-open, easy alley-oop. you got to adjust to that. So hopefully our three-point shooters can knock it down when they get that open look because of JaVale's gravity rolling to the rim. And yes, I'm talking a little bit more basketball lingo because I just feel like I should venture into instead of like explaining in simpler terms kind of just like get used to talking like the basketball nerdish kind of like communication and what else what else does JaVale bring to a team he brings into what JaVale can actually do with Zubak and Wagner is I mean JaVale was written off quite a, I think like two to three years ago he was kind of written off and I mean Zubak's at that point to where if he doesn't produce this season, he'll be written off. JaVale can kind of help our young bigs just with that mentality to always be ready. And JaVale always seemed to be ready. And once he got his chance with the Warriors last postseason, he played pretty well. I don't know if he missed a shot in the finals, which is crazy to say, but he had very easy looks. But he still... Wait, never mind. He missed that um, wide-open dunk to where it was just... I think it was a Shaq in a full moment, but... Again, JaVale played really well in the finals, and he's just always seemed to be ready. And it seems like he's going to be ready for this opportunity to play this season. So, I don't know. I'm excited about him playing. I don't think he'll be the starting center by the end of the year. But for the first 30 to 40 games or so, I think he'll do enough to help this team get a lot of Ws. Coming in at number 7 is KCP. Um, which is kind of strange. Our starting center is number eight. Our starting shooting guard is number seven. But a lot of these one-year guys, they're ranked so low on this list because of potential. I don't think they're going to be on this team next season. Um, why KCP was here was because of clutch sports and the LeBron factor um, last season. Why he returned is probably half of that reasoning which is the clutch sport reasoning and also KCP hooped the second half of the season he shot I believe like 44% from three the second half of the season 
he was like, at, I think it was like 15, four and two. It was like his stats after the, um, after the, what did someone call it? After the house arrest, but they named it a funnier time or a funnier term. But yeah, after jail KCP, oh, they called him Shawshank. After he went, uh, after he went to jail, he played so much better on the basketball court. And that's why he's coming in at number seven. He does have a role on this team. He is one of our better defenders on the wing. He's one of our better shooters at the three. So he will be getting a lot of minutes until our younger players can show that they can handle that in the NBA, like Zvi and Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart will eventually take KCP's starting shooting guard role. And if all goes well with how good I think Zvi can be, he's even going to take some of KCP's minutes. And if KCP underperforms this season... Lance Stevenson will be getting some of his minutes. So what the Lakers did is we got enough wings to where we can be like, hey, we can plug you in. If you're not playing well, we'll just sub you sub you out. It puts someone else in. And I'm happy. We didn't have that last season. Because we were playing Tyler Ennis, Alex Caruso, and Corey Brewer all three at one time. And I mean, our wing depth was horrible last season. This season, it's amazing. Um, KCP can actually, though, jump into the top five probably at the end of the... Probably, I wouldn't say at the end of the season, but maybe like during the All-Star break, just if, if he's playing pretty well. And that might up his trade value, which I think a lot of the one-year guys have a chance to get traded at the deadline if we can get a big fish like Kawhi for them which is the chance of that happening is probably very very slim if not zero percent but if these one-year guys are playing very well and they're upping their trade value like KCP getting into the top five on the power rankings for Laker players that would be beneficial for a trade piece and who knows it might happen coming in at number six is Josh Hart um, why he's so like close to number one on this list is how well he finished the end of last season, how well he played in summer league getting that MVP, and just his trajectory as a NBA player. He showed he can be a great 3 and D player in summer league and also to finish the end of last season. What we're going to need to see is his playmaking ability, which he showed off some in summer league, and just consistency. He needs to become a 50-40-90 type player. And the funny thing is, field goal percentage and three-point percentage will be easy for him to get to 50 and 40. The toughest part will be the free throw um, percentage at 90% because we are the Los Angeles Lakers and we struggled like crazy last season at the free throw line. Um... I think he'll be the starting shooting guard by... It just depends on what KCP does. Because if KCP hoops, um, KCP kind of has an edge on Hart right now just because um, that's LeBron's boy. And also KCP does have some playoff experience with how um, with his previous stint in Detroit. And if you guys remember that Detroit series against the... I believe it was the Cavs? I know it was against LeBron. I just don't know if it was... Never mind, it was against the Cavs, it was against LeBron. KCP played pretty well. Like, that was 
like that was one of his best like performances and that was in the playoffs so he does have the edge on Hart right now but I believe Hart will eventually take over that um take over that spot Ooh, I didn't realize how fast this podcast is going so I'm kind of going to speed up the list because we got to talk about the schedule as well but coming in at number five is Rajon Rondo um Playoff Rondo is why he's ranked so high, and we're going to make the playoffs, so that's why I have him so high. We're going to need his experience and his just skill making and his just his wonderful skill set that he has in the playoffs. He's going to help elevate every single player on this team because that's what Rajon Rondo does. When he's playing with good players like we do have, he makes them that much better. Uh, Kyle Kuzma comes in at number four. Um... I believe he has a great chance to win the sixth man of the year award because I don't think he's going to be starting the season. I think he's going to be like the Manu Ginobili type player where he does not start the game, but he finishes the game. And he will be probably getting like 26 to 32 minutes per game. And we, every Laker fan thinks the world of Kyle Kuzma and he showed how he showed why he deserves that last season. Coming in at number three is Lonzo Ball. And why I put Lonzo Ball ahead of Kyle Kuzma is I just think Lonzo's going to have that much of a jump from year one to year two, and it's just going to be insane. Like, the players or the fans calling Lonzo a bust, the other players thinking Lonzo's not that talented, they're all going to be shocked when Lonzo Ball plays like the Lonzo Ball we all thought we were going to get at the number two pick. I believe he will be, if not the third best, the second best player from the class of 2017 in this season. I think the only player that's going to outplay him is Tatum and probably Mitchell, but number three will be Lonzo Ball. And that's where he falls on the power rankings for Lakers players as well. Coming in at number two on the list is Brandon Ingram. Um, That should be a shocker to nobody. Uh, A lot of people around the league think, Brandon Ingram can be Scottie Pippen to LeBron, and that's just great. Um, he has a great style of play. He is a... When you watch him, you can definitely tell he would have been better in previous generations with just how well he moves um, within the mid-range and just like kind of like his pull-up game within 10 to 15 feet. And... Hopefully he continues to improve on the defensive side of the ball, and I expect him to stay at number two all season. Um, and maybe that just depends on Lonzo. If Lonzo plays like summer league Lonzo or the Lonzo we saw against the Pistons or the Spurs, Lonzo can move to number two. But I expect Ingram and Lonzo to stay in those spots and Kuzma. I expect them to stay exactly there the entire season. And, of course, coming in at number one is LeBron James. Nothing needs to be said about why he's there. LeBron is the greatest player not only on the Laker team, but in the NBA right now. So, obviously, he's going to be at one. And he's going to be number one all season. This is going to be the LeBron-led Lakers. The Triple L's, if you want to call them. Because we got the Triple B's with Lonzo. We've got Slenderman at number two. We've got Kuzmania at four. So if we want to start calling the LeBron-led Lakers the Triple L's, even though we'd be turning those L's into W's, I don't like that nickname, so let's not call them Triple L's. We'll figure something out with LeBron instead of L.A. Bron, which is kind of cheesy but kind of nice, but we'll see. Now, let's just talk about the Lakers' schedule just a little bit. 
We open the season up on October 18th against the Trail Blazers in Portland. For a personal note, I might be going to the game. I'm not sure yet. Just got to see like what's going on around that time. My younger sister lives in Portland, so that's why I'd be going to that game. And we're, what, August 13th right now? October 18th is like two months and five days away from now. So, I mean, the season is a lot closer than, let's see, Lakers season ended uh, April something. So, we are closer to our first game of this season than we are from the last game of last season. So, that's good. Yada, yada, yada. Um... Rondo will be facing Dame and CJ again. The last time Rondo saw Dame and CJ was when Rondo swept the Blazers in the first round of last year's playoffs. And the last time LeBron saw Portland was when he dunked on their entire city. So, I mean, I hope we open up the season with a W. But it's very strange that this game is not played in LA. Like, it's very weird that this Laker team does not have their first game at home. But... Their second game of the season will be at home against the Houston Rockets, and this will be a very good test to see where the Lakers are. Like Those two first games will be a huge test to see what we're ready for to start the season. Um, I just want to see Ws in the beginning of the season. I just want to see Ws all season. But within the first 10 games of our upcoming season, we face the Blazers, Rockets, Spurs, Nuggets, Spurs again, Wolves, Blazers again, and the Raptors. That's eight teams in the first 10 games we played that had a above 500 record last season. So we're going to get a great idea of how ready our young guys are. And it'll be interesting to see what happens like regarding the results of those games. Like If we falter at first, it'll be interesting to see if Luke Walton plays some of the vets instead of the young players. Because, I mean, he might feel the pressure from LeBron James or... Magic Johnson to go with the players that are better now instead of developing for the future. So it's just going to be a very weird kind of like environment and one that probably won't be handled with right away. It'll probably be fluctuating the entire season unless the young players show right away that they're up for it. And they're like, hey, last season wasn't a fluke. We won 35 games at LeBron. And if they play that well... I expect them to remain in the starting lineup and get all the minutes that they should be getting. Um, the rest of November, after that 10-game tough stretch to open the season, is fairly easy. We play the Kings a couple times, the Grizzlies. I believe I saw the Magic in there, so those should be free, easy wins. Um, looking at some big games on like the rest of the season is we play the Warriors on Christmas. Kind of stupid that it's not in L.A., um, just because the Lakers always seem to play in Los Angeles on Christmas. Plus, we got LeBron, so it's kind of weird to see them, the NBA, not give the Lakers a home Christmas game. But it's probably because we're playing the Warriors, the defending champions, and the defending champions normally play at home as well. So it's just weird that they gave us the Warriors. Like, they should have given the Warriors, like, the Thunder on Christmas and had them play in. Uh, Golden State and given like the Lakers the Celtics on Christmas and we play in LA um, this is the first time the Lakers will see the Warriors this season on Christmas it's gonna be a big game for LeBron James it's gonna be a big game for all of our young Laker players uh, we played them very close last year we lost on we lost a couple games like 
within five points. There was the uh, KCP air ball on the Kobe night, in which we lost to them. And then I believe you played them very tough in Golden State. So who knows? Hopefully we get a win on Christmas. I'd love to see that. We play PG 13% at home on January 2nd. I give every Laker fan permission to boo the hell out of that guy. Um, we play the Warriors at home on Martin Luther King Day. Um, it seems like every big holiday the Lakers play the Warriors, at least for this season. And, I mean, why not? It's going to be a very marketable game for the NBA. Uh, we play the Celtics in Boston on February 7th. Um, every Laker fan's dream is the Lakers go 2-0 and against the Celtics every season. And it's always nice to beat Boston in Boston, so let's hope for a dub that game. Uh, the game after that will be against the 76ers in Philly, so it's a big road test kind of right there because the um, consensus is the Celtics will face the 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals. So if we can beat both of those teams back-to-back on the road, that'd be huge for kind of getting ready for the playoffs. We play the Celtics at home on March 9th, and... We finished the season off with kind of a rough um, rough streak. We played the Thunder, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Blazers. That's four playoff teams right there. Um, at that time, it's going to be big for playoff positioning and stuff like that. So I'm hoping to end the season with a five-game winning streak. And I don't know. And if we're close to... If we're not playing as well as we should have, and it's a fight for the eighth seed for the Lakers, those five games will be huge. But the more I think about this season, the more I think the Lakers will be a top three seed and that they're going to win 52 to 55 games. We just need to stay healthy. And I don't know. It's just, it seems like all the cards have come into the correct position for the Lakers and we're just going to have one hell of a season. That'll be it for the show today. Make sure to follow Zotime Podcast on Twitter, on SoundCloud, on all those things, as well as Hoops and Brews. we got a lot of great content coming out. Um, also, for the people that listen, and if you are in the Fresno area, hit me up about being a guest on the show. We can do a live show where we drink beer and we talk about the Lakers. So just if you are in the Fresno area, just hit me up about doing a potential show in the upcoming weeks. And until the next time we speak, go Lakers.